Welcome, everybody. It's a Too High Podcast. I am Seth Kalina, alongside Deontay Lee. Uh, we have a special guest today sitting in the lucky chair position. That is Stephen Ruiz from The Ringer. Steve, what's going on? That was an uh, electric intro. <laughs> you can feel the energy. The energy. But I want, I want to, I want to, you know, when people put their headphones on and they listen to this, I really want to, I wanted like an ASMR type of situation. I want people to like get really um, calm and relaxed when they listen to my voice. What? What a call for yourself to say that you get to be the ASMR guy. <laughs> I'm just going to start licking my lips in the middle of while you guys are speaking just to get to, to keep it, you know, mellow and stuff like that. So this is the pod. This is the pod. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, we, we plan on talking about quarterbacks and and how to process information as a quarterback with you who um, you believe we live in a post processing quarterback world. Can you explain what that means? I don't know if we're post-processing, but I think we've we got to a point, and I don't know when it happened, is probably the Josh Allen draft where I think we started to overvalue it. Mm-hmm. And not just overvalue it, I think we have a hard time watching a college offense and not realizing that the quarterback isn't necessarily asked to be Drew Brees. Like and Malik Willis is that's the guy we're gonna we're talking about here without talking about him. When I watch him, I'm not concerned about the processing issues that a lot of other people are. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't think that's fundamental to quarterback play and it's going to affect him at the next level. I just think he has enough talent and we're at it in an era of football where talent can outweigh that stuff. Whereas maybe 10 years ago when offenses weren't closely aligned with what's going on at the college level, I don't know if he could have. But now I think we're in a world where we shouldn't get hung up on those things. The process stuff. He'll learn. He'll adapt. Give him the reps, and that stuff will come along eventually. I'm in a world when I'm watching quarterback prospects. I just want to see do they have enough talent to play today. And I think, like honestly, he's like the rawest quarterback in terms of like quarterbacking stuff. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I think he's if you play him week one, he would give you a better chance to win than any other quarterback in this class. Okay. I feel like, um, you know, in this conversation, we're probably trying to find a roundabout way of saying, how do we contextualize quarterbacks that run a majority of RPOs within their offense? Um, So when you watch a guy like Willis, and it's not just particular to him, a lot of these quarterbacks now, we have to have these kind of things in consideration. How are you kind of projecting out with his skill? Is it just skill set based? Are you just kind of looking at particular traits in that you know how do you kind of weed through some of this stuff because i think you know over the last five six years i think a lot of mistakes have been made in evaluations on quarterbacks trying to figure out just how much of their game translates from one level to the next given the way that the college and the spread rpo game kind of works yeah i think for me i get what you're saying like i do think people overvalue certain traits like arm strength for instance But for me, it's not just that Willis has a crazy strong arm. For me, it's that he's like a very good thrower of the football. Mm -hmm. He he was surprisingly more accurate than I thought he would be when I put the tape on. The the man could throw a bubble screen. He throws the best (laughs) bubble screen I've ever seen, like in stride every time. Which I I think you could build an offense out of if if he's just accurate. I'll tell you, I'll tell you who, which team runs the best bubble screens accurately. The Green Bay Packers, yeah. and do they throw the ball over the middle of the field that much? Not really. Not really. No. Yeah. Like especially the the the, the Fleur Rogers years, um, yeah. they stick to throwing the ball outside, um, running those out routes, running those you know weak side options, the slants, and then and then throwing those back shoulder fades and, and nine balls, and it's like, and then Jalen Hurts, they don't throw the ball over the middle of the field, and it's like I, 
so I, I'm kind of coming around to some some of the stuff you're saying, where it's like, you know, you probably can make an offense out of this. I, are, can you make an offense that is can, like consistently every year? Um, can you make an offense to where you can come back in games? You know, we always say that type of thing. Like, are you do you have an, uh, the ability if you, if your quarterback is hasn't developed the processing stuff to do that? That I don't know, but I think you can definitely. I mean, at the, like at the end of the day, we're just like. Like you said, like the, we're, the the college game and the NFL game is blending a bit together, and every year every year now it blends even more. I just wrote the article on like kind of the RPO evolution or revolution, and we saw the most throws beyond I think three yards on RPOs, meaning slants, meaning glance routes, meaning speed outs, like like downfield RPO throws than we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, the top, the most I think the Steelers and the Dolphins had um, almost double the 2021 Steelers and Dolphins had almost double each than the next highest team which okay. is like the 2020 Chiefs or something like that so it's like we're seeing all these things and that's what Milt Willis for example does and honestly it's what all do, right. college right yeah um, so yeah I, I don't know I'm 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 torn because I want to believe in processing it. right right it's, it's your more thing f- it's you're Jake <laughs> from guy. I'm Jake from guy yeah uh, so I want to believe in that stuff, but like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, it just eat. I don't want to say it's easier to play in the NFL now. Yeah. That's a dumb thing to say, but like honestly, like the kids are getting reps from the time they're eight years old, seven on seven, private coaching. The quarterback play, the quarterback play is so good right now right. that even the even the quote unquote ones that aren't good are like still really good quarterbacks, and I think you can get offense out of them. Yeah, and for me, I think with Willis specifically, I think the processing stuff will eventually come if he gets those reps. And my thing is that he has the talent to get those reps, to buy himself time. Whereas like Josh Rosen, who's like the antithesis of him, mm-hmm. he didn't have that talent. He couldn't float, uh, keep himself afloat for two years. He was basically a done deal in the NFL. I think Willis, you can craft something that brings him along. And the, the longer I've been doing this and watching film and like evaluating players, like when quarterbacks just play every year, they just get better. Like Kirk wow, Cousins, that's crazy, unbelievable. <laughs> I, it's not like crazy insight, but it will come along eventually. Like he'll get to a, a point. Like even like Josh Allen is getting to that point. Uh, like I was gonna say, Kirk Cousins when he was in Washington, like he was he played like an idiot. Like he threw interceptions. Yeah. He he didn't really go through his progressions like as he was supposed to. Like get got through them in a hurry. But he got better and better and better. Same with Derek Carr. Like all these, you could point out countless examples. So I think that will come along. And I know people make a big deal about the sacks and the interceptions because the interceptions are ugly and the sacks are ugly with Willis. But one thing we can't really account for when we're just watching film is what he was in that offense, what his role was, and what the coaches needed him to be. Mm-hmm. And it was the best player on the field at all times. Just go make a play. A check down to some two-star running back is not a better option than Malik Willis scrambling right. out of the pocket. Uh, a check down to a two-star running back is not Malik Willis throwing into a tight window. Maybe gets picked, but he was going for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Like That's my thing, and that's one thing I don't think you can get with film. I think you have to get that in the interviews with him. Like, what was your mentality on this play when you watch like one of those ugly plays? And I guarantee—I mean, I'm not going to say I guarantee, but I would—I believe that it was I had to make a play. And that's the type of quarterback I want. I want a quarterback that's going to make a play. I don't want Sam ha- Sam Howell. I don't want Kenny Pickett if I'm drafting a quarterback in the first round. 
So to me, like in hearing what Seth was saying and in hearing what you were just kind of explaining here, it's kind of leading me to a question that I think kind of ties some of the scheme stuff that we talk about with some of the player evaluation deals. Like, so basically what I'm kind of what I'm interested in hearing from both of you guys is, are we in an era now where we're really not so concerned about what a quarterback's floor is like obviously you know now you're kind of seeing in the nfl level where if you shake a quarterback's hand in the shanahan offense you'll be a play caller or a head coach at some point and if you're not running that type of scheme it's very spread rpo based and we kind of know these offenses to be able to raise the floor of a quarterback so in our evaluation now are we really just scouting for ceilings you know or trying to figure out pathways like what does this look like when this guy's maximized and not so much like oh well can we care can we count on this guy to pick out every every possible blitz that might be coming right. you know like i used to think of that as a way to kind of raise the floor right when we think about the breeze the mannings the brady's guys who can get you out of any bad scenario right but the raising the floor with the do. blitz thing is it's just being able to escape from a, a right. free russia right exactly now, right? You know exactly I mean? so is that kind of where we're at in terms of evaluating qbs is we know that within the framework of the offense that you'll have answers more times than not so now we can kind of hone in on what is your best good trait and how good can that good trait be i think that's a better way to put it rather than post-processing i think it's a thing where i love saying post-processing no it's, it's a great line it's a great line but it's that's what it is for me like i don't care about your floor i don't care if your floor is high if i'm drafting a quarterback in the first round maybe if i'm drafting like a backup quarterback on day two or day three mm -hmm. i care what your floor is but right like if i'm taking a quarterback in the top 15 i don't give a shit right i don't want Kirk Cousins. Right. I, I just keep shitting all these quarterbacks. I, don't want. <laughs> I only want Justin Herbert. Right. I wish. Um, I got distracted there by Austin taking his laptop away from us. Uh, <laughs> what a pro. <laughs> um, yeah, was, man, now, now I don't remember what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, so Justin Fields last year. I think there was like these issues with Justin Fields, like what he does and what he does not do in that offense. Mm -hmm. And and you were actually one of the people, Steve, that like um, came up pretty pretty hard against this idea of like, well, he doesn't do this, therefore he can't do that. Right. Or, but it's like, well, if he's not asked to do that in the offense, and you, you brought this up earlier, like we have to evaluate based on literally that. Like, right. What are you asked to do? Um, and I always bring this up all the time, like when I was coaching college football, and it was like we had a protection. We slid to the field. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so he didn't have, no, our quarterback didn't have to do anything right. in terms of that. He You're just not got, IDing got, anything. Not IDing the mic. Yeah. You just like okay, so like and I'm obviously the how state offense is a little more complicated than that, but at the same time, like if I was going to evaluate the quarterback in our offense, I would have to know that. I have to be like, hey, it's okay that he's not doing this stuff because not asked to do it. Right. But the things you can evaluate, and that's that's kind of what I've been focused on. And maybe I'm overreacting to the Josh Allen hitting and Herbert hitting and mm -hmm. me missing on both. The thing that you can evaluate is the arm talent stuff. And right. the throwing ability and right. the ability to escape. And when you What's watch Malik Willis, like it's him. A large gap and then everyone else for me like i think ritter is very talented i think he has a strong enough arm i would say it's like an eight out of ten arm mm -hmm. eight out of five but the throws don't get to where they're supposed to go as often as they do with malik willis and if we're doing like the raw quarterback thing i would rather have a raw quarterback who because all these quarterbacks are going to be raw when they go in the nfl they came from college offenses they're going to an nfl offense i'd rather have the good like the talented guy right that's the, the raw quarterback I want, not a guy that can read out stick when he's 22. Right. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at as well. I think that now the times that I do watch quarterbacks, 
I'm more focused on, like you were saying, the arm talent thing and then just like the navigation of the pocket more times than not. Because, you know, like Seth was saying, these defenses now have just become so sophisticated at generating unblocked pressure or generating pressure in a way that's going to force you off platform, even if they can't make contact with you. You know, like, so when I think about a guy like a Joe Burrow, right? Like for as skeptical as I was of his arm talent, like you can't deny his ability to maneuver the pocket, um, his escapability, and then being able to create out of structure. So when you look at something like that, to your point of like, I just want to scout your best traits and see how far you can go with those traits. You can see why people were, you know, so, you know, um, bullish on him and then you see obviously in the in, in the results when he's healthy they get to the super bowl this past year so is there anybody i guess what i want to ask is there anybody outside of willis that you're looking at that really kind of piques your interest in terms of ceilings let me i just want to add in because I, I think we had talked about this probably the middle of the season about tua mm-hmm. where it's like so the issue with tua is like where, what is his a plus trait right and we were like well it was supposed to be processing right Mm -hmm. but then it's like well that's the hardest thing to to figure out from college to the nfl and if so if you don't have that a plus trait he's like obviously he's not like uh, inaccurate but he's not like he's not joe burrow right Right. um he's not herbert in terms of arm strength so it's like well then you know so it's like a guy like pickett right like where what is your a plus trait that i want to take in the first round and and, and build something around it's it's not even just picking what's your a plus trait with ritter is my same question. with matt corral as with well corral, like all of these guys and i i, I think i i probably put his arm on like 8.5 but yeah who, I, no, Ritter's arm. I like it. it, it oh yeah, no, that's what I yeah. Ritter. Yeah, yeah. I'll say he's probably like a strong B plus yeah. type of arm talent. Yeah, and I think with the Burrow thing, Burrow's like a different case because the processing stuff, the accuracy, stuff, like the quarterback stuff, traditional mm-hmm. quarterback stuff, jumped off the screen with him. Like right. it wasn't, but, but a, it even, wasn't an absence. Right, like, it and, wasn't I, and right. I think like exactly. accuracy and and like processing and decision making tend to go hand in hand like it's always tough to separate those two right. things specifically yeah. true um, but but if you're just talking about accuracy it was a plus mm-hmm. right that was his yeah. trait so it's like a, that's enough yeah but i would ritter's the only other quarterback i would take in the first round i watched uh pickett i mean i just don't see it i don't see it at all no. i don't i don't know how you can draft him in the first round and get a fan base excited about him like every fan base gets excited when they draft about their quarterback, quarterback yeah but the first year they see him, and, and I don't know, because Dolphins fans were, like, willing to die for Tua, <laughs> who is one of the most unwatchable quarterbacks. Like, not from, like, he's not bad, but just aesthetically, it's hard yes, to watch them, yeah. that offense. And that's my thing with him. Like, he's, to me, Pickett, I think, could be a great rookie contract quarterback. But then four years down the line, you're dealing with the Baker Mayfield situation yeah, where, yeah. like, what do we do with this guy? We can't really move on because – He's had some success. We can't pay him a bunch of money. Or we're screwed. And then you're just back to where you were when you drafted him four years ago. And maybe, like, some teams, that's all they need. Like, even, like, the Colts. Mm-hmm. I think they could yeah. use a four-year quarterback. Mm-hmm. But but even even this, this is the, always the issue is, like, okay, like, we're, we're, we're living in a world. We're fantasizing about a world where Kenny Pickett can start right now. But that's not guaranteed either, right? right. So now all of a sudden you have this guy who can't you're waiting for to to develop and he's obviously an older prospect and you're like well if that never happens then that's another you know wasted pick i mean we are going to have wasted picks there at quarterback we know that but but like that this is always the issue of like pro readiness versus potential and it's like you know there's the two sides of the coin with like pro readiness is like a pro readiness is 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 not a bad thing Mm -hmm. 
per se. You know, if I say like Aiden Hutchinson's the most pro ready, um, you know, prospect or, or like edge prospect in the draft, that doesn't mean he can't like get better or it doesn't mean like that's a pro- like that mean, doesn't mean like the ceiling is still low. It's right. lower than someone like a Thibodeau right. or whatever. Um, but then the other side of the coin is like, what does pro ready mean, especially at quarterback position? Because right. all it means to me is and why why I'll have like Pickett probably higher than you is because the offense that they ran right. for years at, at it's the Pitt, system. It's not the player. It's the system, yeah. right? Because I'm like, oh well, look at all these look at all these cool concepts they're running and he's throwing pretty pretty good. Mm-hmm. And you know, my thing with Pickett was the past two seasons and this, like the off season before he became a Heisman Trophy finalist. I probably should have won the Heisman to tell you the truth. Was I was like, hey, we're gonna watch out for Kenny Pickett because if they fix anything, whether it's the offensive line or the system, or he just gets a tick better now playing in his nineteenth year college right. football, like because that offense was super difficult. So when you, I was like, you know what, what, what would happen if you put him in Ole Miss's offense? If you put him in Liberty's offense? You put him in North Carolina's offense? Which is like those are all the quarterbacks we're seeing that yeah. are coming out this year. It might be it might be pretty good, and I think really what happened was if something just kind of clicked in his mm-hmm. again in his. It was late, him being in his th- late twenty. He was three years older than everyone. <laughs> yeah, he was playing exactly, against. exactly. So it finally clicks, and like the offense. I mean, I know they they brought in Brendan Marion, and 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 they probably changed the offense a little bit, but like um, at the end of the day, he just he was older, and it clicked, and and now you have a Heisman uh, Heisman Trophy candidate, mm-hmm. where. The issue is like the the comparison to Burrow is always going to be there, but like, so um, I don't know. I, I have a I have a question. I want to I want to swing to you, Stephen. Um, you know, having this conversation, you know, so in the conversation of talking about guys' ceilings and you know special traits or something like that, and I'm not going to ask you to slam any of the prospects right now, but just for you as an evaluator, what are deal breakers in terms of traits? Steve Ruiz is evaluator. I am an evaluator. <laughs> Finally, someone gets what, um, what kind of deal breakers or non-starters, you know, are you looking at in terms of the traits that you're evaluating? I, the guys that, uh, struggle in the pocket and don't have the plan B like a Malik Willis or like a scrambler, mm-hmm. like to get out of it, like a Sam Howell, for instance, who takes a lot of sacks, like that's a deal breaker for me. The first time I see you panic in the pocket, and you don't have the ability to get outside of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that works in the NFL. It does. You're you're Jimmy Garoppolo, right. but not as handsome. <laughs> Jeez, here we go. Let's talk about handsome quarterbacks now. Uh, no, I think the interesting thing with like w- between Willis and Sam Howell, they both take sacks. I think Willis. This was like the same thing with Lamar. I think Willis, like quote unquote, tries to be a quarterback a really long time yes. before he he starts moving around. Mm-hmm. Um, people, I, I still remember that stuff about Lamar. Like people really didn't realize how much he was um, trying to stick to Bobby Petrino's teaching, right? right. Like, hey, one, two, three, balls out, one, two, three, hitch, and then you know, hitch, hitch, hitch until you shamble. And you see it now in the NFL with Howell. It's like his footwork just get out of like the second that something is not right for him. Right. Like the second it's not a slant RPO. Right. It's like, hey, now my feet get out of whack, and the accuracy can struggle that way, and and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So like. We're looking at two guys in like similar offenses. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think Liberty definitely an extreme version of RPO spread, super spread, but still like very similar stuff. And you look at their footwork, and Malik Willis is better. He just he literally just 
he, he just doesn't see stuff down the field. I mean, right. it's, literally, it's literally what it is there now. Yeah, like everything else is there. The footwork is there. The, obviously, the arm strength and and everything is there. But like he literally just they'll run the same play like nine times in a game, and he'll see it once. Right. It's not good. It's like really not good. But yeah. I'm still willing to bet on it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm there. That's I'm obviously there. Uh, were you talking about just quarterbacks? Yeah, just quarter for the purpose of this conversation. I guess we'll just keep it to quarterbacks. Yeah, I think that's the big thing is pocket for me. That was, I think I overvalued like pocket management or like navigation. Like I was like a Deshaun Kaiser fan because he was like unafraid of things. Who, in who the wasn't? Pocket. I, I, everyone. That's, that's like draft Twitter's QB one yeah. forever. But he was like so unafraid in the pocket. But I think I overvalued that. Especially with like a guy like Rosen, I was like, "Oh, look at him climb the pocket and like navigate, like get away from pressure." But if you don't have that escape plan, I, I just I don't I don't know how it works now. I don't know how it works. I don't want that quarterback. I need a quarterback that can run. Can, can you, Deontay? Can you talk like maybe a little more in detail about when we're talking about um, the issues with blitzing and getting pressure on the quarterback? Where at where like, and I think again, I think we've talked about this before. How like teams are being able to still rush for mm-hmm. get right. but get a free rusher yeah. and when you get when you when you get a free rusher because you're blitzing you're sending a simulated pressure a creeper whatever you want to call it like and you're still getting pressure well the, the issue is the coverage shell hasn't changed right you don't have a necessarily a built-in answer because they've rushed five and now there's a hole there mm-hmm. and whatever is that, is that is that the type of thing you're talking about yeah 100 percent. and i mean even if it's not like the simulated pressure or creeper thing which is obviously while it's growing in the nfl it, we still have some time i think before we get into a situation where we can really consider it a major piece of what people are doing so like i still think about like stunts and twists and stuff like that as being a big piece of it and you see a lot of that now in the nfl too because these interior linemen are athletic and if they're not athletic they're big enough to be able to pick guys and allow for these like very talented nine technique edge rusher type guys to be able to go affect the pocket so like really what i'm looking at um from a defensive perspective is that like what kind of pressure there's different kinds of quality pressure right so when we use like joe burrow as an example like you probably want late pressure because he's a guy who is able to navigate the pocket well. So you want something that's going to land in his lap, you know, as he tries to climb or escape. Same thing with like a Justin Herbert. Like we saw like a lot of that early in the season was teams really kind of trying to sell out to get after the guy, I think because of the up and down nature of his rookie season. And then you see him being able to navigate the pocket really well and then just punishing everybody who sent pressure at him. Uh, We had that conversation about Matthew Stafford at different points in the year. So it it kind of varies, you know, with younger quarterbacks. I think what you see a lot of is, you know, can you handle things like what Mike Zimmer does? Like when you get those like double mug looks, you don't know who's coming from where, like the Brian Flores stuff where you're overloading a certain side of the line of scrimmage. You got all these guys walked up. Now that's really where you can get a you can get a feel for who you are personality wise and processing wise as a quarterback. Like, have you prepared enough to be able to point out where the protection needs to go? And then from there, do you have enough reps in your head, both within the concept and then just generally in terms of understanding your skill set and like your chemistry that you have with your receivers for the things that you can't account for? So if you set the protection right, theoretically, but they're still able to send a guy from an angle where you have to be responsible as a quarterback for getting the ball out or escaping if the guy's unblocked and you don't feel it until late, that kind of gets back to Steven's point of like, you have to be able to do that now, especially as a young quarterback in the NFL, because otherwise, you know, we see teams like the 49ers who are playing with what maybe like half 
of a plus DB at a time, and they're still able to just, you know, suffocate these offenses because of what they can do with these multiple looks as just like a regular four down, you know, bases own coverage type of team because they can do so much with the front. Same thing with the Ram, with the Rams this year. Like, obviously, Jalen Ramsey is Jalen Ramsey, but a lot of it was kind of like piecemealing together a coverage package and pass rush, you know, you know, because of what they have up front and what they don't have in the back end. So as a quarterback, you know, you've got to be able to handle the different layers of pressure that you're going to see in the pros in the college level, you're going to get your creepers and things like that. But in the pros, it can literally be anything at any time, you know, teams can teach second down like third down because of the nature of the past happiness of the league so you really got to get those reps up and if you don't you see these young quarterbacks like a baker mayfield you know we brought up as an example really kind of start drowning in not being able to have the answers that you have to have to deal with those types of looks are, are we at a point where we don't necessarily want our quarterback we don't want that on our on his plate like i know the chargers didn't have Herbert do any protection mm-hmm. stuff because they were like, we want you to focus on the, the quarterback stuff. Like, that's why they signed uh, the center. Bensley, yeah, yeah they, right to handle that. And uh, really, like, some of the answers, like, I'd rather have a guy whose instinct against a free rusher is not to throw hot; it's to extend to the escape, play because yeah. that's what the defense wants you to do. They want you to throw it short on third and long yeah. and check it down. This is this is the this is the fucking Cliff Klingsbury problem. Yeah, right, exactly. They're, they're throwing they hot off throw everything. Hot. Yeah, yeah. And that's like I posted a clip in our group chat of Willis and someone responded like, oh, he missed the, the hot like the, yeah. he was hot off the, the free rusher. And I was. Yeah. But what happened after that? What happened after that is he escaped the pocket and threw a dime downfield right. for a touchdown. That's that's where I'm at with like the, the post processing stuff. Like you'd rather see him throw hot for five yards than throw a touchdown. Like that's where I think we like kind of jumped the shark with the process and stuff. That's why I had Jake from QB1. Well, and that, <laughs> but through the hot. I think people, when you hear the term like overcoming coaching, I think people almost hear that like pejoratively, like yeah. trying to overcome your coach being an idiot or something. But when I hear it, that's what I think about. Is, Be an athlete, make a play. Yeah, like structurally, can you throw the ball hot? Yes, and nobody's going to yell at you. You got, you got, you got a blitz look. You throw the ball where the coverage player was vacated. You know, it's underneath. It's quick. You're not getting hit. Who's mad at that? Because that's what you have drawn up on your whiteboard or whatever in your in your quarterback room. But what's going to separate you from the next guy? And obviously, we're not breaking news here. This isn't rocket science. It's the ability to be able to escape and continue to do high level quarterback things, you know, to, to elevate your offense. That kind of is what that's kind of what we're looking for, I think, in quarterbacks now. Um, you know, and this goes back to what I was saying about the Shanahan tree, these RPO offenses, things like that. All of these offenses now are so sophisticated in understanding where these blitzes can come from and the way that these coverage shells change around them. You can have a you can have a passing answer at the first sign of pressure at any point, and you'll probably be okay. At least your your numbers won't necessarily take a big hit for it, but you can only go so far doing things that way. It's hard right. to survive. No, it's the Jimmy Garoppolo issue. It's like, yeah, it's the, really is the, the Kirk Garoppolo Cousins issue. issue too. Like his passer rating and his his production is great every year. His EPA is great every year, but you they're seven and nine, they're seven and ten because of him. Exactly because he threw the hot every time. Yeah. And I think, he's, I think Cousins is a little more aggressive survive. than you give him credit for. I haven't yeah. watched him in like three years. <laughs> like I, my Cousins takes are like 2017 Cousins still. Um, yeah, so no, I think I, I'm kind of on that same. And then the nice thing is like, you know, with, with the way that quarterback contracts work and like you get a guy 
who's on that rookie deal and you can build a team around him and like and like build a an offense schematically and with surrounding talent around him and of course when it hits on both sides like burrow especially like justin herbert Mm -hmm. um then you're then you're cooking but you don't like you don't need it to hit like right right burrow for that first year for the first for the first contract you'd love it right i mean the Chargers and the Bengals are in love right now but like they don't need to question for you about herbert um i don't think we've had you on I don't remember last time we talked to you about your favorite quarterback, Justin Herbert. Can I think you, it was week one, and I said he was the best quarterback in that. Yeah, NFL. yeah, you're right. And I have not come off that since then. Like, <laughs> that's it. He's he's like if you if we were talking about like five years, like the next five years, I want him. I'm with him on that. Like, yeah. I think people think it's a bit when I say it's he's not the best a bit. quarterback. It's not a bit. It's honestly the the closest to quarterback perfection I've ever seen on film. Like, he does not make mistakes, and it's uncanny. My my issue with him is he's a little too by the book, a little too robotic. It's I think crazy he, how robotic it is. But like, like it doesn't boom, matter. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. 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 And that's like my one issue. And it's not even like a complaint. So do, do we think that like, you know, one of the issues with this statement, like right now is the up and down season that Mahomes had. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's still Patrick Mahomes. Like, no, at yeah. the end of the day, it's still Patrick Mahomes. He went to, he's been to four straight AFC championship games and Super Bowl winner, MVP, whatever. Right. Like, are we going to give like, do we have. What do we think of Mahomes going forward? Like, are we thinking, okay, don't worry because, you know, from, you know, 17, 18, or 18, 19, 20, we saw this unbelievable quarterback. And even 2021, they go to the AFC Championship game, even though, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast a lot. But, like, are we, are we okay with saying Mahomes will get back to it? I don't think he was. I'm not saying. I'm not saying he was bad. And I'm not saying he was a bad quarterback. I just think it was. It was lower than like what we think of Mahomes. I thought we we started to see signs of that in the second half. Like once they adjusted, Mm -hmm. the last month or so. I don't know what happened in the second half of that Bengals game. I don't think anyone. I don't think they. That was like freshman year at Texas Tech. Bad. Right. But like, I, I if someone asked me, and I'm not talking to people that I know and I'm friendly with, I'm gonna say Mahomes is the better quarterback between the two. Right. Well, I, this podcast isn't going out anywhere. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're well, good. Cam Noon's actually the best quarterback. <laughs> but I think with Mahomes, like the Mahomes-Herbert debate, I think with Mahomes, it's a track record thing now. Not that yes. he's been around for a long time, but yeah. 2021, who was the best quarterback in the NFL? I don't think, I don't even think it's a debate who the best quarterback was last year for that season. I'm Justin with Herbert, you. Period. to be honest. I'm with you. And one thing I want to say, because I don't think it gets enough attention in the media, is... Like, Justin Herbert is not a big arm. Like, that's not what his game is. Like, him being a big arm quarterback, that's probably, like, the third best thing about his game. That's probably the one thing that pisses me off most is that I don't see enough of the big arm stuff. This is the issue that we've had with the offense for for parts of the season was that we didn't – he didn't show off the arm and create these explosive plays. And there was a dip in – in in form from like the offense as a whole which really costs him like in the middle of the season maybe like the first you know let's say like week i don't know what it was four to eight or whatever mm-hmm. where honestly if they win one more game the offense does one more good thing in, in any right. one of those games they're in the playoffs right, right? right. And, and honestly if they get into the playoffs or if they could stop the run can they stop one run? well that's a whole <laughs> yeah. other yeah. story does yeah. um let's stick on the charges for a bit here um where are you at with them in the first round and specifically like Jordan Davis like is that just the, the absolute perfect fit for what they they lacked last year and what he can bring to them I mean I think it makes perfect sense I, I realize he, I feel like he, that's the most common p- pairing mm-hmm. with uh, in mock drafts but I'm wondering if you can't 
get those guys later. I don't. That's my thing. Is yep. Positional value. Do you necessarily we, want to take the UConn kid? Just get the UConn kid in the right, third right. round, man. Exactly. Like you want him on. You wanted Jordan Davis on your team, but do you want to draft him in the first round? That's my thing. He's yeah. a good football player. Just it's, like yeah, like Justin Tucker's a good football player. I would not draft him. Right. I wouldn't draft him. Right. That's that's where I stand on it. But I do think they need to just go wholesale on defense and figure because you you have a golden ticket. Herbert. It doesn't matter. Yeah. What, like their offense schematically was not great this year. Their receiver, they lacked deep speed, or it, it didn't mesh well with what they had in Herbert. I thought it could have been more expansive. Mm-hmm. They didn't have field stretching speed. Their offensive line, the right side, was terrible. Yeah. Storm Norton played too much football. He played too many snaps, <laughs> and it didn't matter. They were still like top five in EPA. So I think you just need to go wholesale on defense. I know Staley is like. He should be the guy that's like filling in those gaps with his like his X's and O's, but that just doesn't work in the NFL. You need dudes on defense. Yeah, I think yeah. that's where you need dudes on offense. You just need one guy, yep, and just enough around him on defense. You just need like eight studs, and they have what one, two? They have two. Yeah, two. And their stu- I mean, their studs are. Like oh yeah, they have two and a half. Oh well, yeah, I mean, they're, he's, they're... A good, he's a great cover six corner. <laughs> Their studs are legit studs, but to your point, I just think that they they are in a position where they have to ask their two best dudes to cover for way too many other deficiencies. Like, I think I'm kind of getting to a point where I'm thinking of defense similarly to how I think of offensive line, which is just like, can you get to a position where you just don't have major holes? Yeah. That's no good enough more times yeah. than not. You have not. to be able to hide like two people. Right, exactly. Like if, even the 2020 Rams, those linebackers, they were able to hide them because everybody, everybody else them was good. Right. So, like, that's kind of where I'm at with that. And because of that, it probably doesn't make a lot of sense from a draft capital perspective to say that our no, we're walking out of here with a nose as our crown. Here's my jewel. thing, though. If you would have played third downs and had a pass rush, then yes, now we're having then a different conversation. Different, completely different conversation. Well, which is why I'm like, if you're going to draft a guy, I'd probably say Wyatt. Because yeah. I think you can just do a little bit more with Wyatt right now than you can with Davis. And I, you and I have talked about this. I think that with Davis, he'll get in the league. And, my, and maybe this is just me projecting some best case scenario type of stuff onto him. But I do think that being in the NFL, the first order of business probably would be to cut his weight a little bit and then try to get his conditioning right. And we saw like by the national championship game, he played more. He definitely played more in that in the rematch with Alabama than he did the first time around. It was more productive over the length of those snaps than he was the first time around. So I do think that there's maybe a little bit of an awakening in terms of want to not like he was a softer soft player or didn't or wasn't a hard worker, but you could definitely see a difference in motor. But to me, again, are you trying to leave this draft knowing that you have what, what we believe to be a top three quarterback, basically, no matter how you feel about it, whether you're considering just 2021 or the, you know, the stretch of right. his career versus the field that does buy you some time. But on the back end, you know that having this blue chip type of quarterback means that the second that this rookie deal is up, the whole context of this franchise changes. Right. So you probably want to address this offseason in a way where you can just plug as many of those defensive holes as possible. Um, you know, you can probably find cheap vets or guys later in the draft up along the front to help you out. 
And then it's just like maybe one or two more legitimate playmaking, difference-making type guys at the linebacker or defensive back position. Just try to, I guess, you're trying to intimate what you have with the Rams, yeah, with Staley. Right. Ultimately, is kind of what you want, right? You would like Derwin James to be a Mario Mushroom version of John Johnson. Well, this you know, is what and that's we, kind of what he is and just building out around that. We, we talked about it last week with their interior and comparing the two where it was like, you know, the most important player on the interior of the Rams, let's say 2020, was obviously Aaron Donald. Right. As much as we thought that Sebastian Joseph Day gave them really good minutes, mm-hmm. he did. Mm-hmm. But like, you're gonna, you can still build it as much as you're gonna play with a nose, head up, and play too high. Like, right. you can, you still want to build it around having a four eye or a three tick, some right. guy over the guard. Because right? what was their win. answer, right? If we don't have Joseph Day, okay, we'll just play Gaines and yeah, like, uh, Sean okay. Robinson. And they were and, fine. Yeah, we'll still have a legitimate run defense yeah. that way, you know? And I'm kind of like guilty of what I advocated for with the quarterbacks, like with Davis. Like you said, he didn't play on third down, but that doesn't mean he can't, he can't play on right. third down. And, yeah. and I don't think the pass rush was great when he, when it, when he got pass. Right, it's right. not great, but yeah. But And with him being on that team specifically not playing on third down isn't necessarily a red flag for me because he's playing with the monsters like, yeah we were talking about how right. they're like i don't know if it was specifically georgia or georgia and alabama are really coming in with that like the, the rabbit stuff where mm-hmm. it's like hey we're coming in on third down with with, with legitimate like 10 of the 11 players probably run like <laughs> sub four six Jesus. 40s you know yeah crazy yeah so like yeah so I, I get that for sure um when you take him off the field because he's not that type of player no the funny thing about davis is that he's actually like he is a power player but he's not like a pocket collapse he's a quick he's so quick for his side which is the craziest thing about him for me um so you could you could still work with a player like that and he'll fit in um doing what kind of joseph day did but just in a, qu- a quicker version of him. right he's really good and still get the size there so i think that my biggest problem is like with the charges they're gonna go defense at like 17 it's like okay but where is are you you're gonna overdraft Wyatt then because mm-hmm. I'm not sure I see it with same Wyatt problem right it's just same problem different player exactly yeah. trade like, down I think yeah, they're a team sure. that I should trade down. I mean I think that's yeah. probably a viable option for them yeah. honestly so probably to trade down stockpile and Again, like you just want as many bites as the app at the apple now that you have. If the you trade down to twenty four and take Jordan Davis there, I'm not complaining. Right. I probably don't hate that. And yeah. for what else you're going to get in trading down that pro- now it's not just hey we got Jordan Davis. It's do this, do this transaction. We acquire Jordan Davis plus X Y and yeah. Z, right? And now you might be in a better position. So I, I don't hate that idea either. As long as they go into Week One not playing Jerry Tillery on early downs, please, I'll be fine. Please. Get him off the field, <laughs> please. <laughs> The no, worst they, run defender I've ever seen in my life. They need to get better, like right down the spine. Yes, right, right. down the spine. Yeah, I think the best way to do that is to trade back, accumulate picks, sure. and mm-hmm. just spend a bunch of picks on defense. Yeah, that, I'm 100 percent in agreement. Um, we we fixed the Chargers. Deontay, do you know who the lead and presenting sponsor of the two high podcasts is? I have a guess, but I'm sure you're going to tell. Me. Well, it's PFF Pro Football Focus. <laughs> Right now on PFF.com, you can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you use the promo code, what that, too high, T-W-O-H-I-G-H. Uh, what can you get with a PFF subscription? Well, you get all of PFF's locked article content mm-hmm. that includes most of the stuff we write. Um, you wrote a very good piece on blitzing yes. protections. Yes. How do defenses blitz protections? Yes. Um, I wrote a piece on the RPO revolution. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so you get that. You get the NFL draft guide. Um, you get the completely unlocked mock draft simulator, which is obviously amazing. Uh, twenty twenty two free agency rankings, draft, uh, you know, grades and data and all that stuff uh, for the, from the twenty twenty one season and much more. I think we're even doing USFL grades. Nice. So if you want to know about your New Orleans Breakers and your New Jersey Generals, I mean it's off season. It's off season time too. So all of the preview work that we're going to do, both at the college and pro level, that'll also be available behind the paywall. So plenty to get to. The Two High Podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com. And finally, the... Too High Podcast is sponsored by Manscaped. Can I get a round of applause, everyone? Anybody? Round of applause? Anyone? No? Uh, today, I'm excited to announce Manscaped launched their ultra premium, a registered trademark, collection. Believe it or not, it's for you, for your not-so-private parts. I'm talking about a leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. What's your favorite manly scent? Mine is my um, my balls. All right. Um, this is an all-in-one skin and hair care kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with promo code PFF. I'll tell you what my actual favorite smell is. All right. I'm my listening. favorite manly smell. Uh-huh. This is gross. I, I get it. But like, there are times when I when I do like the smell of my own farts. I. I That's a take. That's a you, take. You fart. You fart in the shower, and with the steam going. So you just like waft in. I just waft. <laughs> okay, I waft okay. in. The, it's a good smell, in my nice. opinion. So that is my favorite manly smell. All right, I'd recommend using the products in this order: hop in the shower, take a quick fart, and scrub a dub that body with the Manscaped body wash. Lather your hair up with a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner to keep your noggin talking. Dry off and spray on the hydrating body moisturizer to reinvigorate dry skin. Put on the Manscaped deodorant for obvious reasons. Pop that Manscaped lip balm on. No one is out here kissing chapped up lips. They got everything. It's right a full, um, the full kit and caboodle here. Getting dressed after is optional. Hello. Wear one great scent all day long. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with promo code PFF at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle. Thanks to Manscaped. Let's fix the Carolina Panthers. Oh, man. So where do you actually? Yeah, that, that's actually a good conversation for you as, a, it's as not. an observer. Where, <laughs> just where do you start? Is it quarterback or do you? Is you, it higher than that? Is it somewhere? Oh, dude, you start at the owner. Yeah, I saw a tweet that was like, I can't like, I don't know. I keep I keep getting these tweets in my timeline of like, based on your likes, blah blah blah. Like, here's a tweet for you, and it's they're always the same. It's it's these like fan accounts, mm-hmm. but this one that I saw was like. Darnold making a play, whatever, one of his like four plays that he makes a year. And it was like, uh, <laughs> the caption was like, uh, someone told me Sam Darnold wasn't a good quarterback. And it's like, yeah, like a lot of people are saying that and they're right about it. <laughs> that was just, <laughs> was it Matt the Rule? Raven, the, <laughs> it was a Twitter account, the Reven Stewies. <laughs> no, I think it starts at the top. I think 
there's been a common denominator or common theme with all the bad moves they've made over the last three years, and it's a lack of patience. I think David Tepper is a not problematic Daniel Snyder, basically. Yeah. He's like, he wants a winner right now. He took over the team when they were <laughs> six and two. They like lost the rest of their games. They fired. Can't wait till some allegations come on and we clip that. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I mean, I wrote a glowing piece about Deshaun Watson like four months before Ouch. that story broke. So I've already in, I've already in that uh, that lane. But yeah, I think it starts with the owner and I just even the Matt Rule hire. Like they interviewed Matt Rule and basically offered him a seven year contract on the spot. They were supposed to interview Josh McDaniels after, and they ended up canceling the interview, mm -hmm. which makes no sense to me. Like interview all of the candidates, especially when you're hiring a guy from Baylor. No offense to Baylor, another non-problematic school. <laughs> uh, but it starts with the owner, and I don't like. I don't care what happens. I was, I've been on like five pods, and they all ask me about the Panthers, and I'm just like, I don't care, man. It's it, like this year, I don't care about them. I'm just not going to pay attention. Hopefully, they start over next offseason, and I'll get back into it. If they draft Malik Willis, I'm back in. Right. And I kind of don't want them to because I don't want to be attached to them next year. But I don't know where to start. Like the quarterback, if quarterback is your third biggest issue, and I think it is because I think owner and head coach are bigger issues, you're fucked in yeah. the NFL. If that's your third, because for most teams, that's your biggest issue. Mm -hmm. And they have to solve those two things. And one of the things you can't solve because he owns the team. Right. Right. Well, but then you, 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 if you just randomly hit on a quarterback, then you've solved them by accident. That's true. But which is always nice. I think they'll waste whatever. If they land on a quarterback that's good, like let's say they draft Malik Willis and he turns out to be everything I think he can be, they'll waste him. Well, I mean, and then there's just like the accumulating cost of every year having to be in the quarterback market the way that so they have sad. been. Like it, it's been every single year, you know, and, and I think that, you know, ultimately what we're walking away from the takeaway to me when we're talking about the Panthers is that bringing in retread quarterbacks can be just as destructive as bringing in retread head coaches, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of what that kind of takes away from, you know, in terms of building an organization and, you know, having a head coach that also just does not seem that wants it both ways in a way like he does not necessarily want to be the most hands on offensive guy that'll fire his offensive coordinator midseason for not doing what the head coach wants to be done, right? So what does that really leave you as a franchise if you're turning over quarterbacks every offseason, you are now losing continuity in your offense by letting go of guys, and we still don't really have a clear idea of how they even plan to attack some of these holes that they have. Because even if they do draft Willis, you're right. still dealing with the offensive line is the horrible. second worst offensive the line behind offensive the Dolphins. Line is better than the Carolina Panthers' yeah, like, offensive line. You know, so we're still we're probably right back having the same conversation if you don't address it beyond that. And you know, to, to Steven's point, this thing is probably much closer to truly cratering all the way yeah. than you are to drafting a guy and all of a sudden papering over all of the issues that you have with the rest of the I, roster. I lost total faith when they one traded for Sam Darnold and then instantly gave him the fifth year option. Unbelievable. He has eight, he's getting eighteen point five million dollars this year guaranteed. And I there was no reason to give him that money. But you didn't see never the tweet, been a, though. The never been said, an all <laughs> not a pro bowler. And if you watch his film like I I don't know how you watch his film and don't come away thinking this guy is terrible. Particularly as New York film, where you can make the argument that he kind of got worse year over year. Like, it's really bad. I, I'm, I would argue that Adam Gase was the best thing to happen to him because it, it gave people hope yes. that you could fix him. Yes, honestly, like 
I think we need to give Adam Gase a second go of it. Give him like a real quarterback. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Like the results were not this bad in Miami. They were not this bad when he was the OC in, in Chicago. He got like one of Cutler's best years. He got one of Tannehill's best years. Obviously, Peyton was doing his own thing, but Peyton right. was good under him. Like Sam Darnold was the one where he built this reputation as the worst coach ever. Before that, he was like known as a, a smart OC. Okay, so my th- my Gase thing is, by the way, Adam Gase is terrible. That offense was terrible. So I my thing with Gase is like I, I'm I like kind of serious about this. Gase has that that eye thing where I think he has like something was. He has an issue with his eyes, and I think he's definitely self-conscious. This is where he's. Where is this going to be an ableist take? Yes. <laughs> okay. Here we go. No, I think I truly believe we we bring him down a peg <laughs> because we and we and we make fun of him because of this. We make fun of his his image. Mm-hmm. I, I truly I truly believe that that we that we well now if you obviously like if you if you had consistent success and blah 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 and you were always good then then we 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 don't talk about it but. The second like it becomes an issue and like and like everyone's like oh look at him they they photoshop in the waffle like he's <laughs> right. trying to track it was a taco the taco yeah it's like then 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 i don't know i just feel like there's well, I mean, a bit of a problematic thing with that beyond yeah. that if you're looking at on the field i think that one of the things that really hurts him most is the fact that the best quarterback you're tied to is peyton manning who we know yeah runs his peyton thing. manning's offense yeah. right so you just don't get to draw any credit from that and then every other quarterback that he's had basically were like bad quarterbacks, you know, or people that we have very poor, you know, yeah. perceptions of. So even if they were middling to above average, he still, again, gets to claim no credit for that because you're also right. fighting the reputation of the quarterbacks as well. And then the fact that you've bounced around from spot to spot doesn't help either. So I don't think that he is a bad coach. I don't think he's a head coach. But I don't think that he's a bad yeah, yeah. coach either. Um, but to your point about Donald, right? Like you look at, you know, I do think, you know, I agree with you that he was probably the best thing to happen to him, especially early in his career, you know, be, for making people think that there was something workable there. Um, you know, I, I do want to pivot for a second, though. You know, I know that we're kind of low on time, and I'm sure you've got other things that you've got to. He get has to. nothing to I do. Nothing he to literally do. has nothing to do. Um, specific to Malik Willis. Which of the new head coaches do you think will be looking at Willis and be maybe the most excited about fitting him in? That's a good question. Uh, I'm like blanking on the new coaches. I want to say uh, my first thing was was Dable. Oh Giants. yeah, Dable. Dable. I, mean, Dable. The, the I think think got to play out, but yeah. I mean, I was I think Doug Peterson, but obviously as a quarterback, yeah. right? Uh, that's like the type of offense I would envision. Yeah. Like what the Colts were running for Carson Wentz last year is basically what I think the first year of Willis should look like if you draft him and play him. Mm-hmm. So that type of quarter, like that type of uh, a coach who is going to run RPOs yeah, and who is going to commit to the quarterback run game. Yep. If you're not committing to the quarterback run game, like even like uh, Nagy, like obviously he ran RPOs, but mm-hmm. I don't think there was a commitment to using Justin Fields as a runner, which I don't think Justin Fields needs to be like throughout his career, but during his rookie year, you should be using his legs. I don't understand right. why you weren't. Um, I think, you know, for me, Dable was obviously the first one to come to mind, so same as you guys. And then I just don't know enough about who Nathaniel Hackett's actually going to be as this a head coach. This is the big question, man. But if I'm question. Hackett and I'm looking at the surrounding cast that I have, I would think that Willis would probably be an ideal guy to yeah. drop into that. That's because if nothing else, he can be athletic enough to go extend plays, and you know that you have just this – 
great, you know, uh, collection of young wide receivers. You know, I, I like what they have in their backfield. They have a good enough offensive line to where you can probably drop a guy like Willis in there. And for all the things that he might not be the best at in terms of seeing things down the field, you know, or generating explosive plays within the structure of the play, like, I think that you're okay with what else you have around him. And you can drop him in and say, whatever problems we have within this offense, you do what Malik Willis does to get us out of trouble. And more times than not, I think they'll probably be okay. Honestly, one answer might be, and I've totally forgot about this, and not because it's like the offensive fit, but what I think the coach can do with him. Mm -hmm. I would say the Dolphins and Mike McDaniel. I don't hate that either. Well, but I think it's going to, it looks like the two games that we saw of Trey Lance. Or right, two and right, a half right. games of mm-hmm, trail exactly. not obviously not like Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. Except for this guy can actually throw the ball and get it to where he's trying to get it. And he doesn't just throw 100 miles per hour every time he throws <laughs> All right. the ball. This was the two high pot. <laughs> no, I actually want to say something about the, the Hackett thing, because I think it's a good point. Like, I think there's a lot of stuff that they do that Hackett was doing. And again, we don't know, because I don't know. I have to look it up, but I don't think Hackett is a... He's not a LaFleur Shanty McVay guy. Now, right. he's just with them right. in the same way that, like, Zach, Zach Taylor, Taylor was, was with, with Sean McVay. But, like, I don't yeah. know, so we don't know. But if they're if we're talking about that same, the Packers offense, there's a lot of good stuff Ooh. that you can just plant Willis in. And you're right. really just, you're changing all the quick game stuff and the kind of cool quick game stuff they do with Rodgers for quarterback run stuff. That's, right. that's the big thing. And you're still trying to hit the big plays down the field. I'll play action. You're still throwing, um, you know, the bubbles, the and, bubbles stuff, and yeah, doing all that stuff. You're just kind of, you know, putting some Jalen Hurts stuff in there. So, yeah. Then, yeah, I guess ultimately it's like, are we projecting that the ways that LaFleur was able to adjust the Shanahan offense to fit what he believes and what fit Aaron Rodgers? Do we believe that Hackett is walking in with the same kind of capabilities? Hard, or is we, he just want to believe with, that every, right. every coach that comes in, every OC that comes in is going to do that? And we've seen... Time after time, it doesn't happen. And how much of that was Rogers himself? Right. Being well, able this to is a whole I think the I want X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Yeah. I think the RPO stuff was Rogers. I think he wanted to be in control, whether he handed the ball off or, or threw it just mm-hmm. to Devontae. But, I, yeah, I think Nathaniel Hackett, if he's running that offense, I think the Packers offense makes a lot of sense for Malik Willis. Like, obviously, the quick game stuff you're not going to run, but you can replace that with RPOs. Yeah, you're The Dolphins RPOs just with... built a whole offense out of it. Right. So, yeah, I – I think Hackett would be, yeah, he he that might be the best answer is the Broncos for Willis. Yeah, Steve Ruiz, see you tonight at the bar, buddy. Thanks for having <laughs> me. Uh, uh, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, Outkick. No, uh, <laughs> I make that joke all the time. Every time. Uh, the Ringer, of course, uh, and on Twitter at the Stephen Ruiz. That's Stephen with a V. The only the proper way to spell it, by the way. No P. Do you like it me. when when I call you Steve? Or do you prefer Steven? Oh, yeah. What's your take on Steven? I prefer Steven, but I, I'm fine with Steve. I've come around to it over the last couple of years. When I was younger, I was a no Steve policy. Right, because that's like an old – it, it ages you, I think. Does it? Yeah. yeah. I guess it does. I think Steve makes you older. I think that's like once you go to Steve, you're like an old man now. I, and I am an old man now. Yeah. I won't be at the bar tonight. I'll be at my <laughs> in my, uh, my hotel playing VR football and eating my <laughs> leftover Panera sandwich for yesterday. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. That was the Two High Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you uh, tomorrow. See you guys.